Welcome to Tom and Jack having the crack, first part of the new year, 2023. How you doing, buddy? Very good, thank you. 2023, here we go, first part. I was, I was, I was just about to ask you, how have you been, how are you doing? But like, you know, we'll save, we'll save our friendship chat for content chat. So how was, how was, how, how was Christmas? Christmas was grand, yeah, it was nice. 10 days, uh, lo- lo- the longest time I've had for a while to do nothing. And, and I ended up doing pretty much nothing. Like the first, the first night I got home to Ireland, um, I went out with my brother who I hadn't seen for four years, he lives in Australia. And <laughs> we ended up drinking whiskey till six in the morning. And, then I, <laughs> and I was pretty much wiped for the rest of Christmas. Like I kind of had a bit of a cold and didn't really want to do anything. But um, fun Christmas, like uh, we, I was in, I was at my, my mother's house and I had three nephews and one niece and, you know, mm-hmm. the Santa came and everything like, so it was all, that was all um, pretty exciting. I had, a, I had a niece who followed me around uh, every time I was watching telly, stood behind me and asked me, did I know that I was going bald and did I mind that I was going bald and was I going to do anything about the fact that I was going bald? <laughs> What did you say, sir? Uh, God, I just told her I didn't. I didn't. I knew, but I didn't mind, and I wasn't going to do anything. <laughs> isn't it? Isn't it weird? How little kids hate it when uh, anything changes. About I remember my sister when my dad shaved his mustache off when she she was about like five. She freaked out. Don't like change. She's like, I hate it. She's like, I hate it. You have to go back to the way the way it was. Well, I suppose that's like, they say kids are more honest, like all humans dislike change. I suppose the kids are just very, they, they, they don't know not to say it. Yeah, because was she, was she upset for you? Or was she like, I, I just don't like no, it? It's hard to say, hard to say. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I, I feel like, I, I, I feel like it was just more an observation to her. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, uh, but she brought it up a few times. You know, it wasn't a one, it wasn't a one off. And then, uh, and then I have a five-year-old nephew who, who's football mad. He thinks yeah. he's Kylian Mbappe. Yeah. And he got, and playing football with him, playing football with him that was, was good fun. Like, but he's a complete cheater. Um, <laughs> kicking you and, um, so yeah, it was fine. It was kind of nice. It was, uh, like genuinely felt relaxed, which, mm. I'd say it's the first time for, for a while where I actually felt pretty chilled. Like, yeah. Very, you know. So, I know what you mean. I, I, I had very similar. Like, I think I did my last gig like a few days before Christmas and then didn't know. I mean, I cooked. I, so I, I, I cooked for everyone on Christmas Day. Oh, did you? You did the cooking? Yeah. Well, I, the way my mum likes to, when I mean, you, you've met my mum, the way yeah. she, doesn't, she doesn't want to give up the reins of, yeah. the whole thing so usually happens is i do the the turkey and a couple of the other big bits and then she like she'll make the stuffing and do the mashed potatoes and stuff but uh it was fun we did uh so it's not weird internet content is so we're, we're comfy in the turkey legs which basically means you you cut them off the bird and you cook them in fat for like five hours right and you heat them up right at the last minute it's so that the, you can cook the breast quickly so it doesn't go dry. Okay. 
brined it and everything and but I'll, I'll film this because it's quite fun like an, quite an involved process I saw, oh yeah yeah I saw you do a little kind of Instagram yeah yeah okay. and because uh, I did that and I did um I made some like beef shin stew or something and right. it, it was like one of the best videos I've ever, ever put up it was like what, like views views yeah what did you yeah. get it's like 18 15,000 or something 15,000 views and it, like it like in a like in a couple of days well, like, you know, how many TV shows on telly are about food? Like, yeah. Yeah, it just, it, like it was universal topic. <laughs> 100%. Because, I mean, I'm sure like, this is like number one topic for all comedians all the time now. Like, you think, oh, this is a really crafted, well done bit. It's a funny sketch. It's, you know, and it gets like, and then you just film yourself in your mum's kitchen whacking some beef in a pan. Yeah. And, and it did, well, do you know what? My, I would just say, keep doing food videos till they stop working. Because, yeah. like, you know, you, you know, we both have experience of flyering, and we both have experience of putting up clips that you've paid money to do, like fifteen, eighty thousand eyes on you. You know, well, you're the ad man. Like, it's just, yeah, free publicity, isn't it? Really? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it's, I, it made me feel nice because I, I really enjoy cooking, and uh, I also enjoy attention. So <laughs> it's like a nice little. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite funny I just imagine you now like you know a sold out theatre and you know like when they interview people when they come out of a show and they're like what do you think of the show and they were like thought it was good thought it was good love is cooking though love <laughs> yeah. is, he does a great beef recipe yeah I'm sort of waiting for <laughs> you know so I just that was what won me over so I decided to come but it, it, it's weird like you know because remember we had um, in Edinburgh we had the four people I did that I did a political panel show yeah politics and four people came to the comedy show and they said like it's because they like you so it, it it's weird like whatever works works yeah yeah and like yeah like you say just keep 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 popping them up till they, oh, till they stop working yeah. Uh, yeah i i actually did a, a, a one of those political brexit videos the other day mm. um like I, I had stopped doing them i was doing them religiously during lockdown and i stopped doing them and now every time i see one that i think i'm going to make work a gonna do because like i did one uh yesterday at work like it takes two minutes 10 yeah. 10,000 views yeah and so it's just i'm like i don't get anything like that with jokes yeah but um my main goal for this year is is putting up as much content as possible mm. that's the main goal i think last year my goal was nailing a club 20 and and in hindsight looking back i think i had to I had to put a lot of energy into that. I didn't really yeah. want any any kind of distractions. But now I feel comfortable, pretty comfortable doing a club twenty. You should do, yeah, yeah. Definitely. It doesn't frighten. It doesn't frighten me. Yeah, you know? yeah. It doesn't frighten me. So this year is all about content. So that's gas. Like, how long was the video? Uh, like a minute. And what? So you you just? But did it show the whole? Yeah, like I, like I, yeah, I just sort of narrated myself cooking, doing little bits. Trying to have a bit of crack while I was while I was doing it, but how how much footage did you film? Uh, just the beginning and the end. You could just do the beginning and the end. You could do, yeah. I think I I probably filmed like maybe like four minutes of footage because you're only like because like I didn't film myself like chopping everything. I was like you know I've chopped the carrot. Yeah. I've done this. Da da da. Here's the puppy. Mum's being crazy, and you just just compressed it into like a a minute. But did you do 
what it looked like at the start and what it looked like at the end. Uh, yes, but the end shot was not as good as it should have been. But okay. that was the I as soon as I posted, I was like, needed to spend. But you feel like a dick. So I was I was actually cooking dinner for everyone. So I yeah. I didn't want to like wait 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 wait. You just stop there hungry. Oh, I'm trying to get. There's a lot of things you can play around with because you can do that. This is my first drink. This is my last drink shot. So you have the first at the end. Yeah. And then, and then you could do the chopping and then just have it speed it up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They, they look so cool. There's a guy on Instagram I love called Notorious Foodie. And that's his whole thing. He sets everyone to classical music and they're yeah. all less than a minute. But it's like he he's really he's really smart about those little effects and like when to bring in like the sound of like wine splashing in a pan and all that. Yeah, they, they look really cool. It's, it's kind of, um, when you see stuff like that, you realize that, that, that there's an awful lot of scope in social media that I think that hasn't really fully been exploited. Like there's mm. a lot of things that could work that haven't really been done. There's, a, there's one guy I keep seeing now and man, it's, I think it's the bizarrest thing. Like he's got, he's, he's got, hundreds of thousands if not millions of followers mm. those little videos where he basically gets dressed right he says so i'm going to this event this one i've seen wear. him have you seen him he's great <laughs> have you ever read the book american psycho <laughs> like <laughs> this is this is american psycho this is the book pants belt shirt watch <laughs> you know like <laughs> it's fucking it's american cycle and everyone's just watching it clicking it like that's that's the book that's the book that's the guy like he you know <laughs> fucking i hope the social media works out for him he's a killer he's a stone <laughs> killer like that he, he's it's narcissism by a mid like it's narcissist it's so narcissistic it couldn't have got on telly do you know what i mean <laughs> people are like it's fucking amazing that's a funny angle about social media in general. It's, it's the stuff that 20 years ago, TV producer would be like, no one's going to watch, going to watch you do that for. Yeah. yeah oh yeah. I, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to get dread, like tell people about my style and dread, you know? Oh yeah. 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 It's a different level of, um, it's, a, it's quite interesting because the other, the other kind of bizarre thing about social media is like, I think we definitely live in a time where uh, people call up people's behavior way more than they did in the past. You know what I mean? Mm. Like people, are like, we don't you behaving like this? You don't behave like that. Don't behave like that. But it, uh, paradoxically, at the exact same time, where we've created this thing that it gives us a way of giving loads of positive feedback to narcissists and people with personality disorder, and you know probably a lot of the people who are behaving in the way that we're telling people not to behave like we're, we're you know we're giving them confidence yeah oh you know, like, and, totally. and positive feedback while also having the conversations that nobody should behave you know you don't want people behaving x y and z you know yeah because i think that like the healthy yeah you have to be able to separate them i think because it's funny actually i did a little gig small gig last night and uh there was a couple of comics on there who you know some of them had like self admitted behavioral problems you know like i've got autism i've got this so you know um things that things they were working with and then there were some people who were just a bit of an odd just odd a little bit odd ducks and uh I, I was thinking like exactly what you just said there it's like this is probably the one medium where that's rewarded like because yeah yeah well i always i used to always say this about comedy because i grew up in politics <clears throat> 
politics is basically where you you identify one part of yourself that is appealing and positive mm. and you accentuate that and you create the illusion that you are that person all the time right and i always thought that comedy is the opposite comedy is where you find the worst part of yourself and you blow it up and you pretend you are that all the time like so the comedian will pretend to be like completely useless disorganized crazy mad but nobody is that one dimensional mm-hmm. you know what i mean but that's the, the comedian's job is to be almost to be the opposite well it's interesting too because i suppose yeah. it's 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 it, well it is in a distance slightly changing it has slightly changed a little bit where you know you, you like um we used to always have comedians as being sort of badly behaved you know you they were proud of their dysfunctionality or they yeah. were proud of their uh, you know, crazy views, or they were proud of all that. Um, whereas now, well, I don't think I don't think it has really changed. To be honest, which I think it's just gotten more horrible. You know what I mean? It's still, <laughs> you just argued yourself around. <laughs> you, know, do you know what's so funny? Have you seen? Have you seen that Bill Cosby said he's going to go on tour? Yes. Like, obviously, no one's told him about cancel culture. Like, I can't. But the the look on his face when he rings up a theater and they're like, "No, we're not putting on the show." He'd be like, "What?" Yeah. Well, I was thinking this. I was thinking like somewhere in America of all the countries, somebody somewhere has got a mortgage to pay. They'll put him on. Somebody, not a nice No one's going to go. No one's going to pay to see Bill Cars. Like, well, his, go on, you go, you go. Like, I'm not surprised Louis CK can sell tickets, but fuck me, I'd be surprised. Bill Cosby can sell tickets. Like. So here's the thing: I will be, I will be, I'll be staggered if he can do like a proper tour in legitimate venues. That that, that yeah. would blow my mind. Do I think you can get a thousand people who hate cancel culture so much? And ah, jeez, mate, I'm, I'm, you're talking about you're talking about a country of 360 million people, 200 million adults. You don't think you can get a thousand people? Who wanna? Who, who believe in QAnon? Who wanna? Yeah, yeah, and and I suppose he probably says he's innocent, so there'll probably be enough people who believe that he's innocent, despite I mean, all the evidence. I mean, you're saying people people stormed the Capitol, Jack. People went to the Capitol with guns. Like, there's there'll, there'll be there'll be 500 people somewhere who are like, yeah, he's our guy. Yeah, you've 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 turned me. You've convinced me. <laughs> So anyway, when are we going? When, when, when are we booking it? Does he? Does I've he? Never, need I've never listened to his stand-up, but I, I have heard that it's unbelievable. Oh it's yeah, really I mean, good. Have you watched the Seinfeld documentary comedian? No, no. Oh mate, you have to go on that. That's on. I think uh, you have. Is that the one where like there was this guy who was really overconfident? Yes. And but he didn't make it, and then like he he had a backlash afterwards. That's the one, yeah. Yeah, Orny Adams is the the heel. In the, yeah. in the in the story, yeah. So in that, there's a whole section where Chris Rock is talking to Jerry Seinfeld about how good Bill Cosby is and about how his his new hour is is killer and he's doing two shows a night. And then Jerry Seinfeld goes to meet Bill Cosby and they have this like warm yeah, embrace. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's where I got that he was very good. I think that's my yeah, that's my memory of saying. But I never listened to his hours. Yeah, no, I've I've only ever seen the odd clip of like you know. Famous bits, the pulley pants up routine, things like that. But it's because, uh, like, Chappelle had that take on him, didn't he? That um, he did so much for black culture in America, like, fa- like funded university scholarships, 
made sure that yeah, like made sure that every, Howard University, donate, which is a, a black college, donates huge huge amounts of money to them. Um, made sure the cause worked with a child psychologist so that the Cosby Show only had positive representations of black families and. Cosby Show was amazing. I watched it all the time. I thought it was great. Yeah, yeah, same. Yeah, it was always on in our house. But uh, obviously, a monster. But it's 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 fascinating. Some I just think somebody somewhere in America, it, it could be like a fucking airport hangar or a disused bowling alley. Like somebody somewhere is going to be like, I need to pay rent. I need to pay a mortgage, and I think I can get a thousand people in this bowling alley <laughs> to see yeah. Bill, to see Bill Cosby perform. Oof. 85.2. How long has he been in jail? 10 years? Is it 10 years? I don't know. I don't know. No, I'm just. Oh, it was a bit less. Well, I saw somewhere between five and 10. But that, that, that must, for the victims, that must be. Because you know the way he's getting out because of like a technicality, like a yeah, yeah, yeah. chain of evidence technicality. Is it there was something like evidence that was used in a civil case? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that has, that has just got to be like. And but I bet for him, like like you said, I bet for him he's like, well, just proves I was innocent the whole time. I was exonerated, and <laughs> the justice system uh, let me off. Uh, speaking of uh, potential criminals, you see R- Rishi Sunak's um, uh, five point plan announcement the other day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What do you reckon? Ah, like, uh, it's just to be honest. I look. It could be wrong. Could be wrong. To me, it's it's a classic naive political gambit right um, like reminiscent ed Miliband had the 10 things too do you remember that's what it reminded me of it reminded me yeah, of that. yeah it's just you're setting yourself john major's common sense agenda like all those sorts of things you're setting yourself up for failure it's it just it, it seems to be to be like a very naive uh political move like say what you want about boris Johnson, right? But but like as a, as someone who's like who's in, interested in politics but he was a very a uh, shrewd politician, like he he didn't know how to win votes. He didn't know how to win people over. Mm-hmm. Um, like so, you you know the most effective in the last twenty years. You know you got Blair, Boris, Farage as well. Like they just they know how to talk to the electorate. And I think setting yourself up with judgment on these five things, I think I think it's just I th- I think it's mind-bogglingly stupid. I'm I'm delighted to see it, like yeah, because. He 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 he's messing up in a few ways because one, he's telling everybody what their five priorities is. Nobody likes to be told how they think. So, I there might be there might be the percentage of people who are going to read that and go, actually, they are my five priorities. <laughs> is going to be small. Do you know what I mean? Like, uh, I think the boat one is niche enough, and I think if you're if you're upset about the boats. You know, I could be wrong now. I don't want to be too judgmental here, but I usually think if you're upset about the boats, you're usually so rich you don't care about inflation, or you're so poor you don't give a fuck about the economy either. You're poor and stupid, or you're you're rich and, and you know racist. So you're 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 either sides of the economy. Do you know what I mean? You're the people yeah. who actually the economy it doesn't really. You're not that paying that much attention to the economy because you either have nothing or you have fucking far too much, you know. Oh, mate, that's exactly what I felt like when. So the, those first four points are kind of like focus groupy, and like you say, even people agree with them. No one likes to be told that's what they agree with, but they kind of like you can, you can imagine those four things coming out of focus groups, can't you? Like sort of consensus kind of things, 
and the boat thing just felt like we have to throw our base red meat. <laughs> we have to give them something. And it's just like um, I just, everything about it is wrong. I just think because like one, I, I I just if I was an advisor of his, like I'd never, never in a million years advise him to do this because one is right. You you don't succeed in one of them, right? You've told people don't you you know you know judge me unfairly if I don't achieve one of these. If yeah. you do achieve all of them, right, and you say, look, I achieved all of them. People be like, you don't get to set, you don't get to set the parameters in which I judge you by. Do you know what I mean? It's all like, yeah, it's it's, it's so. Um, he's out of touch. It's it's childish. It's childish manipulation. It's the type of thing you would say to a child. Do you know what yes. I mean? Like it's, it's 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 childish manipulation. Came across and, like that. I thought, I thought he came across incredibly patronizing. It's patronizing. It's massively patronizing. So it is, and I just. I can't see it working from, and it's like it's like when Ed Miliband had those kind of like it never it never works. Do you nah. know what I mean? It, it's basically it, it's a case of you're trying to set the narrative, and you're trying to set what you should be judged on, but that's not. Oh, I don't. Yeah, it, it screams both in the Ed Miliband case and this case. It screams of people who spend their whole life in you know, a Oxford Cambridge PPE spad bubble. Yeah. yeah. And only interact with the public via focus group and via sort of manicured data points and the, the occasional constituency surgery. And they've forgotten, yeah, they've forgotten that. The thing that Boris Johnson is really good at, Donald Trump's really good at, um, that um, he's your man, uh, Bernie Sanders is really good at, like understanding how to interpret that through the lens of actual real people and how to exactly. communicate something to real people. And, and also, like, keeping your fags and you're keeping it all vague do you know what I mean <laughs> if I was a journalist I'd be like oh thanks very much mate you've now given me the list of things I can hammer you on for, for two yeah. years because because like inflation's not going to come down overnight so if it's not down in three months you're like Mr Sunak you promised inflation was going to come down you yeah, used uh, five-point yeah, plans so it's amazingly nice. I don't know I thought I thought it was bizarrely nice but they all seem to do it like um it's like Theresa May calling the election, like they mm. all seem to have this. It's it's their own insecurity. Like it's clearly that they have imposter syndrome and they don't feel that they need to be there. And it's sort of like, um, yeah, it's like you know, I'll do this for you. You know, it, it doesn't. Yeah, it 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 shows insecurity to me. Yeah, the, you, I think you nailed it. It's the way you would talk to a kid. It's the way you would talk to a kid. It's like. I will, I'll get your dinner ready for you and we'll have this ready and that'll be good and we'll have a story time and you can go to sleep then, okay? You can nod off. Yeah, whereas I think, you know, the, the, a more, I think a more astute, clever politician is one that comes out and says, like, I'm going to listen to you. Like, I'm going to, you know, it's, it's basically saying, I'm not going to listen to you. This is what I'm going to do. And mm. I'm going to do this because this is what you want. And everyone's looking at it going, I don't think it is. Well, what do you think of Keir Starmer's response? Because I've, I've got a well, theory on Bob was his response. I don't know. Well, well, like, well, this is the problem with Keir Starmer. Is his response was basically, the government's not doing a good enough job. And then the first question everyone says is like, well, what, what would you do? And his answer, his answer is always, well, you know, I would, I, would get around with, I would get around the table. I would talk to this person, talk to that person. I'm, I'm sure they wouldn't expect me to have a solution right here, right now. But it... The, probably the problem Labour have got in this country is the Tories, for all the mistakes they made, they made, I, I think, a very astute political move in the last 10 years, 
which is all the all the center ground policies that they could institute without fucking off their base they instituted right so they've they've captured more of the tony blair the black or blair right new labor aspects i mean i mean kiss Starmer said the way we're going to pay for everything is we're going to enter into contracts with private business and government's going to work with private business and we're not going to um get a big checkbook out to to help solve the nhs and help solve um under, underemployment and stuff yeah. They're uh, they're lost, aren't they? They're see, they, I think the labor, I think the reason the Labour Party are lost is because they they were built on a labor movement that doesn't really exist yes. anymore, and that's that's the kind of thing. And I, I think they should, I think they should move. I think they should evolve into the Green Party and yeah, part of the Green Party. That's the movement now. Do you know what I mean? That's a movement I think everyone could get behind. Is but the like. There's not enough people in manufacturing or, you know, or, or stick to, like, they, they're confused. You can either be a party of progress. Well, I think you have, I think they, they probably have to be a party of progress and they have to either have to progress towards, we're, we're a party for like metropolitan, uh, ideologically progressive people or progress towards Britain's going to be the greenest economy in the world. And that is what we're going to, to, to be honest, Fianna Fáil in Ireland probably have the same problem as Labour. Mm. Um, and it's probably a case of uh, the party evolved by being in power. Yeah. And that evolution may brought it to, so far away from its origins that it's now struggling for identity. Yeah. Yeah. I think every, you know I mean? I think every major West... Like the Democrats in America are quite similar. Yeah, 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 yeah. They all, they all, because, because, like you say, they're all founded on the principles of um, when you're a manufacturing economy, looking after the interests of the workers, not just the factory owners. Essentially, that's kind of like all their guts, yeah. all, all their roots. And like you say, once that evaporates, you're like, well, who are we for? Who are we helping? Yeah. Who are we? Exactly. And then once you've been in power, then you've you've worked with different power brokers. And then they, they, they become part of your whole system and your machine, like, um, and then you're, you're, you're struggling to keep them on side and not them on side. Um, but it, like movements just run their course, like, but I, I to be honest with you, I, I thought there would have been a green labor movement. I thought there would have been one when Al Gore bought the movie out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I remember like we got asked. Did, did I ever tell you when I was living in America, the, the agency I worked at contributed to the Clinton, to Hillary Clinton's campaign, and we got asked a, a few of us got asked to like contribute ideas for like communicate you know sort of communications ideas, and that was one thing I put in front of them. I wrote this like paper about how uh, if you just come out and say you're gonna create more green jobs in key swing states, and you're gonna reinvent the American economy along those lines. Yeah, know, yeah, yeah. There's exactly. no reason. There's no reason you can't be that candidate, and and they were like, "Oh, it's too pie in the too pie in the sky." And, and my response was, "Well, if it's not that, you need to. If, if you guys have got a different alternative that isn't that, that's like as concrete as that, fair play to you. But it's ten years later, and I don't think uh, seven years later, I don't think any yeah. has got anything close." No, the AOC says it. It's a, a Green New Deal is is the movement that everyone's crying out for. Like, I think mm. uh, I think that's the that every I think that's something that 
a lot of people can get behind. I think if, 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 a, if a politician like Tony Blair came along and was pushing a Green New Deal, I think he could, he'd, he'd have massive support. Mm. Like a movement like that, that was like, we're going to create better jobs, cleaner jobs, healthier lifestyle. Do you know what I mean? A fair economy, this whole thing. And, and people brought into it, you, you're, you're off. Like, and, and that would be, that's a modern labor movement, really. Yeah, because it's really at its root, you're, you're, you're taking the best bit, which is looking after the populace rather than the privileged. Yeah. You know, transposing that into what they need now. Um, speaking of populace rather than privileged, how did you, um, like, like, we haven't really chatted since we came back from France. Because we're in, yeah. we're in, like, because that's, that's a country that I, I, I don't know how you feel or like how Erica feels. I just think they get so much. Of the, of the life bit, right? It just feels like, but 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 chatting to a few people when, when we were there, like Sadra and stuff, she was like, the real downside is you can't get anything done. So I've, I've been thinking about this a lot. Like, would you rather live in a place where life's more comfortable day to day, but you can't get anything done? How do you, what does she mean you can't get anything done? It's like, <clears throat> see like in, in England or America or, or Ireland for that matter, you can like, have an idea uh, speak to somebody get it made get things moving get things um you know rent rent that theater book that show design that that website she's just, just like in france you just can't it's like days weeks months drift by no. um ah somewhere look at it somewhere in the middle like i think um there was a german ambassador to ireland once and and he he, he said he, he couldn't understand why the countries in Europe don't just look at what works well in other countries and then adopt a system where you've got a little bit of of everything, you know? Yeah. Like um, the big, certainly in Ireland, definitely in England too, like the big thing we could learn from certainly some of the continental countries is housing. They, they seem to have got housing a lot better than us. Like, But it, I don't understand why you can't have, you know, the housing, the health, educated, why you can't have these things well, and still have flexibility within the business world. I don't understand why you can't have a hodgepodge of everything. I mean, I, I, I think my experience with French business, it comes down to like lunch, I think, as a, as a, as I'm, I'm, I'm not being facetious, I'm being genuine. Like if you, if you take a two and a half hour lunch break, yeah, and you only, you get it, you get in at 9.30, you have a, a cup of coffee, you start work at 10, you break off for lunch at 12.30, you come back at two, you have another cup of coffee and you leave at 5.30. That is a very different work day to... So this is, this is my take on it, right? From 18, I'd say it's 40, I'm 40 now, from 18 to 40, 45, you want the American British system. And yeah, from forty-five onwards, you want the French system. Pre-retirement, why, you get pre-retirement. Yeah. So that's why, like young people from places like Italy and France and Spain will come to London and places like that, and old people from here will try to retire there. That's it. That's it. That that's that. This, this should be part of someone's manifesto. You get pre, yeah. you get pre-retirement from forty. The under 45s can have Dublin, the over 45s can have Galway, and we're gonna have different laws. <laughs> that's it. How many you could probably extend it for like 
you know what? Drink the drink driving limit goes up a little bit past forty. You've been driving a long time. It's fine. Yeah, you, you can yeah yeah yeah. Laws like a hybrid system of laws. Yeah, I think th- that's what we need. Like there's different <laughs> different venues. Like this is an over forty five space. The music the music volume is a lot lower. Yeah, absolutely. Like a bit more of a hodge, hodgepodge thing. Um, I still always think, though, like I suppose it's it, it's very it's very very tricky. Like I suppose a, a happiness index would, uh, like instead of GDP, happy the happiness index would I think would make a huge difference because if th- then you would start then countries would start to evolve towards what was making the majority of people happy. Oh, totally. So I've, I've been thinking, well, we, we chatted about this in Paris. I've been thinking a lot about my diet and like booze and food and just my, my relationship with all of it. And I was watching this thing called the French paradox. Because uh, French people, by and large, they have like really, really low instances of heart failure, really low instances of heart disease, like very low instances of diabetes. And they basically, these papers ascribe it to the fact that they take a lot longer to eat. They're a lot less stressed. Yeah, they, they get they get full faster because they're kind of like spreading food out over two hours. They feel really good when they're done. Then they don't snack and they have like a light dinner and 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 they don't get pissed. That's the other. That's the they other. They don't way. get pissed. Yeah, it's a healthier. It is a healthier way of life. Like I, I spent, I, I lived with a French family for three weeks when I was fourteen. Now I found it extremely boring at the time, but in hindsight, I, I look back and I think. God, it was a great way to live. Like, and and to be fair, look, it's probably from a health point of view, the biggest difference between us and them is they are eating higher quality food. Yeah. Like that is that is the biggest difference. They they have put much more of a priority and emphasis on eating good quality food. We haven't. We like f- food is is like mm. we've mm. made food a sort of a uh, an afterthought, really. Luxury, almost sinful luxury, indulgence. Yeah, work, work, work has become our thing. What everything about us is like work. Food is, food is, 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 is like if we if we were able to not eat, we wouldn't eat. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, my it. dad's my, my dad's like that, and yeah. like you know how much my mum like loves cooking and that Italian side of my my dad is like he said that to me before. If I could just get if I could get by without eating, I absolutely, I absolutely would. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's it's a it's a whole different thing. But yeah, I think a, a happiness kind of thing. Now the other thing too, you always have to be very wary of, which is uh, with any of these kind of conversations, any of these thoughts, and and like this, uh, I think this is the way Rissy Sunak's kind of fucking up too. Like, mm-hmm. is you, you have to be aware that in, in a country, um, your perspective and your wants and your needs are not universal. Yeah, because like. What's good for you now, and this is a this is a classic thing that happens. Politicians, um, politicians often fall into the trap where they believe what's good for them is good for the country, is good for everybody, because they don't realize that they're different than other people. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, and to be fair, like most of our societies are really are really built and structured in a way that's most preferable to like 40 year old men. Mm-hmm. 
like a lot of a lot of what we a lot of what we do is like you know like a guy who's got a bit of energy and long may that contain <laughs> continue continue long may that continue so, so is that like really you know I, I'm, I'm gonna do a video about this like but Rizzy Sunak saying everyone needs to learn maths up to their 18. Like he, 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 he's, it's almost like a Freudian slip. He's basically saying what we need is a country with more people like me. Like that's mm. what he's saying. He goes, like, you know, it, it's not a case. I'm not going to adapt the country to you. I'm mm. going to adapt the country to me. And I, you'll all get on a lot better if you, if you act like me more. Like he's basically, he might as well just say, look, I think you should all do maths till you're 18, work in a bank, marry for money. You know what I mean? Like it just because and, and, and be called Rishi, ideally. Called that... <laughs> Rishi, like. But you know, he he be going around food banks, going, "Have you have you never thought about marrying for money?" Like, do you know what I mean? You're a good looking. <laughs> <laughs> if you have two kids and only three eggs, how many eggs does each kid get from the food bank? So you could do that maths if you just if you, if you tried, you know. <laughs> but um, yeah, the maths one is weird. But yeah, I think the country is very hard. I think I, I, I think um, systems is the best way to run countries. Ireland has done a thing recently that's been that's been very successful. Um, is these panels like so the the whole abortion and the divorce our friend and it's all come where Ireland does a thing almost like jury duty, like a mm. hundred people get randomly picked. And they, they, get, they, they get paid to go and stay in a hotel and have meetings and they're given a topic and they discuss the topic and they come up with ideas. And the idea behind it is a hundred random people will come to similar conclusions that the whole country together will come to. Mm. Like, like, like Georgia. And, and it's, it's seemingly very effective because whatever the, the, usually whatever they come up with is quite palpable to, to everybody. Yeah, yeah. Because they're considered a microcosm of everybody. Yeah, I mean, I mean, those things can work really well if you get if you get the sampling right. If you're if your randomness is yeah, yeah. If you get the right. sampling right, yeah. So different demographics, different genders, different backgrounds, the whole lot. Um, <laughs> yeah, go on, sorry. But because most politics is like is a certain group mm. discussing all of that kind of stuff, and and they've massive blind spots. Yeah. Yeah, and, and uh, you can't conceive of, of someone else's frame of... Th- when you can't conceive of someone else's frame of thinking, that's, that's when you get into real real blind spots. My, like my, yeah, my dad and a lot of his like sort of Tory mates, that's where they would have the biggest issues. I'm, yeah, I'm, but the whole, the whole economic model is built on the idea that we all... All our actions are to maximise our earnings, which... Yeah. And and like there are a percentage of people who do operate like that, but it's a, it's a very niche group of people. And and people who don't operate like that are made to feel or yeah, are made to feel like they're somehow less than or they they picked the wrong thing or it's childish or yeah yeah that they're, that they're wrong like you know basically if you have human emotion and empathy and you do things to care for people, you're being told you're wrong. Like, yeah. You know, the people we should be looking up to are the people that we punish the most and are the people that we tell are wrong. Like, and like, you know, I might be closer to the, to the maximizing my economic than being a carer, but like, I know that they're right and I'm wrong. Mm. 
you know, but but it's just I would see it a lot in 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 the work I did. Now I I definitely, as I was growing up, would have been of the mind um, that you should just maximize your earning in life. That's how I would have. Yeah, I would have thought. Like Patrick Keelty used to have a joke where he was asked, "How does he decide what projects he does?" And he goes, "Well, I look at who's making it. I look at who I'm going to be working with. I look at who the director is. I read the script, and then I do the one that's offering the most money." And I used to think that it was very funny. Like I thought that yeah. was very in line with who who I was a person. But then working in pharmacy, and and you you, you see people who like um, who are not motivated in that way and don't operate in that way at all. Like completely operate in in a sort of a more caring kind of uh, emotion, not even emotion, I don't think emotion is the right word, but a more emphatic kind of way. And their actions are driven by do, looking after people and helping people. And, and I think after a while of being in an environment where I saw a lot of those people, you, you start to realize like, you know, they're more admirable. Like mm. They're far more admirable. And they're, they're, they're far more impressive to be around than the other people. And and the other people, I think when I grown up, would almost call these type of people idiots or, you know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or whatever. Um, but they, they have a very rich life too, like because like they, people genuinely care about them because they care about other people too. And and really, you know, having a, having a system that doesn't leverage their doesn't leverage their strengths it seems foolish to me now yeah or like when there's only there's only one way you can be seen as valuable to a society is through this pr- prism of maximizing income and if you're not then there's yeah. i mean i think about that with, with motherhood often like i, I feel my, my, my sister has like a real you know back and forth because she's super bright and she's got a, a, a master's in economics and was doing health economic um, economics before she uh, uh, got pregnant, and she loves being a mum. She's about to have a second kid, but she sort of she constantly feels like she's not doing enough. She's like, but I should be earning money as well. Like, yeah, yeah. And basically, it's like, it's like I should be earning money as well. Otherwise, I won't have any value. And I think that's a horrible. I think that's a real downside of a certain interpretation of of feminism that. If you're if you are a mother, you're somehow not doing as much as you should be, or it's 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 less than what you're capable of doing. You're more than that. Yeah, like it's 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 well, it's it's economics, isn't it? Because like the truth of it is, you should get you should get paid for that. Like you should, there should be a system that somehow yeah. you get paid for care and then looking after people. Um, because like we ba- like we basically have a system where if you're if you're looking after an elderly person, you're care for an elderly person, right? You're considered less valuable than someone who works in a shop uh, renting out or selling computer games. Mm. Like, are we really saying that the fucking guy selling the computer games is contributing more than the person looking after someone? Like, you know, gamers, but yes, I don't. Even... But, but you know what I mean? Like, you're rewarding this person, you're not rewarding that. Like, it's just it's. It, it, but it, but it, it makes sense when you remember that all of these systems were drawn up by men who saw uh, women as inferior and who also saw children as like, you know, like a lot of the, like the constitution, 
most of the constitution, well, Britain doesn't have a constitution, but like mm. uh, certainly the American constitution, they, these were all written when like children didn't have any rights. <laughs> children, children were viewed like pets. Loads of children were dying. Uh, so they were kind of like, it was sort of, you know, the child mor mor uh, mortality rate was high. Children mm. were kind of, weren't seen as deserving of any kind of rights or protection. Uh, women weren't se were seen as you know, second class, like not even second class citizens, they weren't seen as citizens. Mm. They were like, like a fucking uh, robotic Hoover. Yeah. <laughs> it's robotic. I mean, I, 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 I won't pry into which aspect of Hoovering they're being used for, but uh, the, it's interesting. So I, I was, I was going to chat about the thing I've been loving this week, which is this, uh, yeah. Have you come across this podcast series, Empire? Podcast series called Empire? No, go on. It's fantastic. It's great. It's two historians looking at different, well, empires. The first one was British India. Second one is the Ottoman Empire. And okay. yeah, it's absolutely huge. Not, I mean, I've got, we've all got so many knowledge gaps, but I didn't know virtually anything about the Ottoman. I knew it sort of came out of the Byzant Byzantine. I knew that it was based around in Istanbul but you mentioned the women thing there I didn't I don't think I fully appreciated how much of human history most people weren't seen as citizens like the idea of a citizen is oh, a, oh yeah 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 the idea of a citizen that has a stake in the country is such a recent phenomenon for anyone to be given that very, yeah very recent and it was like you had the vote if you're a man who owned land that was it. And that's just a small percentage yeah. of people and everybody else was nothing. Nothing. Yeah, yeah. It was, sometimes it's interesting, I think, to think like, yes, those rules were made by men, exactly what you're saying. But actually what they were made by, if you took gender out of it, what they were actually made by was an incredibly small substrata of the elites in a society. More so than the, maybe more so than the gender thing. Maybe, maybe that dynamic is more, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, because you know people would put it on gender, but there was plenty of men, like men who didn't have men who didn't have property, like uh, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, and uh, and that's this this list. I mean, I'll just dive into it. So the, the, this I it's something I adore because it's like it's giving you such an interesting perspective on parts of history where you have blind spots. So like not so, for example, knowing that when we when we in Europe think of like the Renaissance and think of like what was going on in Europe, the Ottoman Empire was the biggest empire at that time. It was the most it was like it was like the biggest most commercially successful, largest geographically, most military force. Like Henry VIII used to look at the Ottoman Empire with admiration. Like how can I be more like them? And it's interesting because I was like I don't, I don't have any of that in my history. No, no, it's all very skilled. Yeah, it's a, well, history is very biased. Certainly in school, it's very biased. Yeah, and also like, you re you realize the, the other thing this podcast series is great for because it's not BBC or it's just two independent historians. They're super honest about how brutal they were because you know there's this whole narrative around. I don't know if you've ever heard this. Maybe, maybe it's more of an American thing. I, I went on a date with a girl last time I was in America, and she was telling me that um, Caucasian people are in, are inherently more homicidal oh yeah that's that's yeah, yeah yeah of course it is because like genetic and and these guys are great at pointing out like they were the, the ottomans were like way more technologically advanced 
way more um, uh, scientifically forward, but they're also fucking brutal. They took slaves like it was nobody's business. And they, they're like conquered by, they followed the Roman model, conquer someone, enslave them all, get them to work, move on. And I think it's actually, in a weird way, it's a really good way of like showing how humanity has all these common connective threads that don't start and end with like American history, for example. No, well, American, America is the big anomaly, isn't it? Because they, they say that the natural... And and Europe as well because the, the the natural center of the world should be that Silk Road. Yeah, from Mediterranean to China. That that should that for the majority of history that is where power lay. Mm. And the, 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 we've had well, I don't know like is it hundreds of years now where the center of power shifted to Europe and shifted to America. But that's completely out of odds with the majority of history. Yeah, so the guy who wrote that book, Peter Frankopan? Oh, the Silk Road, yeah, yeah. He's on this he's, pod. He's oh, like, he's on the pod, pod, is he? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I read that book, The Silk Road. And that, he says, he, like, he puts up great argument for it, that basically the Silk Road is the center of the world. And like, it's almost like a magnet. It will always, it'll always move back to it unless there's some quirk of history. Mm. Yeah, which which makes sense. And I think he, so he comes on, he talks about... Um, because he wrote, he wrote a lot about the Byzantine Empire and a lot about the Silk Road. And so he's a, he's a great person to have connecting the dots between those two parts. Of, yeah, those two parts of history and like how just just how important the the Ottoman Empire was. It's fascinating. I, I think you'd absolutely love to call it Empire. I think you'd I must, yeah. I must uh, I must have a look at it. Yeah. So Empire, yeah. that's a it's a podcast. Podcast. Is it, is it a regular podcast or is it a series? Like so they do it, they do it in series. So they did I think last year they did British India. It was like twelve episodes. And this year, once a week, they're doing the Ottoman Empire. Oh, I'll, start, I'll start with the Ottoman one then. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Have you got have, have you got anything you'd recommend at the minute? Um, well, you, you were saying, I watched the first season of White Lotus over Christmas. Right. thought it was brilliant. Did you watch it? I watched the first two episodes, I'll be honest. I couldn't get into yeah. it after two episodes, turned off. Oh, man, I got it. I, I thought it was great. No, I thought the whole thing was great. Now, the other thing I'm into... I bought a book in the airport. I'm in the middle of reading it. Jesus, I got hooked onto it. Do you ever have a guy called Jonathan uh, Franzen? Yes, yes. Have you ever read him? No, I've never read him. Heard of him, never read him. I read The Corrections when I was in university. So I read that 20 years ago or something. And I lo- to be fair, I loved it. And I always thought, like, that was his first big novel. And I always thought I'd come back to him. But I never did. But then I was in the airport and needed a book. And I bought Freedom and I'm flying through it. And it, it's very like The Corrections. It's, mm. He has a certain style of writing, but um, ah, just personally, I just think it's it's a, an amazing type of writing. It's very like it's very like an old book, mm. but it's a mod, it's like a modern version of an old book. So usually his book, both of these books are kind of they're just very focused on a family, and it's very about the details of the family, uh, which is. Which is very like a thing like Charles Dickens would write, you know. It's very yeah. like a book from from older. It's kind of like, um, it's kind of like got that classic. He's got that classic novel like detail of the time, but the, the the contemporary bit is just that it's set in modern day America. Mm. And I think the stuff that's just amazing about it is, and and it's probably something we don't really. I suppose we're probably all aware of, but we don't really talk about it. Is like 
luck is such a big thing in life. Like yeah. just luck and, you know, there's an old, um, you know, I used to go to mass when I was younger. Like there's an old story in the Bible that very, you know, they, they kind of say like, you, you, the farmer scattered seeds and like some seeds land on fertile ground, some land on, mm. on fertile ground, you know, and some, some of the seeds, the seeds are all the same, but some of them grow well and some of them don't grow well. And, you know, it's just, um, it's just so true. Like, and within every family you have the different, you know, obviously you see it with uh, William and Harry now, you know, like the, 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 you know, the little different bits of luck. Um, and, What's really, what he really captures, which is really interesting, which again is very interesting with William and Harry is within every family, there's winners and losers within every mm-hmm. family. And regardless of how privileged you are, if you're one of the people who perceives themselves to be a loser within their own family, mm-hmm. you'll be very hurt by it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, so, and, and he really, he's brilliant at capturing that in novels, like brilliant. Oh, I, I think oh, that's such a big thing. I mean, that ties to what we were talking about earlier about different ways of, of um, understanding value. So, like, if, you, if you're in a family where, like, uh, you are pushed to, like, you have to succeed commercially. Maybe, yeah, yeah. And one of you doesn't, then... But, but if you're in a family where people create space and say, well, you know, you're good at this and you're good at that and... Everyone can find their own value and their own way of. He 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 deals with that a lot. A lot yeah. of the time, he will have the sort of, um, you, you you know, because America is so clearly defined. You you got your conservative family and your liberal family. So he'll have like the liberal child and the conservative family, or the conservative child and the liberal family, and and just the conflicts that that creates within the families, you mm. know, because like we all know, and we probably know this story more because creative people are more likely to write this story of the, the the tortured creative in the conservative family right but yeah. but also as equally as funny is like the the conservative um you know thatcherite go-getter in the in the liberal family who wants them to be like an artist yeah. and he's yeah. like i want to fucking have a construction company and build a building Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And they're like, can you not do, can you not like recite Shakespeare or something, you know? Yeah. So it, it's, it's all of those conflicts and uh, it's just very funny and it's just, it's just family, he, he's brilliant at getting family rivalries. And then also what he does, what he, what he's brilliant at getting is misconceptions and misperceptions where one person has an interaction with someone and they perceive them being viewed in this way and like decades can pass and then they might have a conversation with them and they realize that how they interpreted that situation was not how the other person interpreted them and how they believe they're perceived by that person is not how they're perceived and it i just find it magical like i just find and, it and you, built, and you built a whole life on those perceptions yeah yeah on these perceptions and you've acted in this way on this you know like and and it just it it really I think it's right and really reminds you of how wrong you're getting it all the time. Oh, what's the, what's the book called? Freedom. Oh, it sounds great. It sounds fantastic. I can't remember who said it. Some writer was saying how he did define the first part of his career and the latter part. And he was like, the first part was about hope. So like writing from like 20s, his 20s to like his 40s was like hope. And then after, after 40, it was loss. 
and I think, well, I think we just brought it up there, like, because uh, you re- when you're young, you, everything's potential, so you can you can if you make mistakes, you've got time to correct them. And I think when you hit like our age, it's probably the, for the first time in your life, you're like, oh, some of this stuff's settled in. Like I, you know, like I, I, I misperceived that situation for twenty years, and it had a big impact. And it, it's like that's governed, you know. But what I think, I think when you're younger, right, you you want the world to change, and you want to change it in a way that will suit you, elevate you, and make you powerful and successful. You want the world to evolve around you, right? Mm-hmm. And then I think when you get older, you're like, you don't want the world to evolve because you don't want to be left behind. Mm. <laughs> or left out. You oh, really? want everything to stop. I, can't, yeah. I, I don't have the ability to process new shit. Like, just can everyone just st- stand still? Totally. You know I mean? Totally. Yeah. I saw that at Christmas. I, was, uh, I went for a beer with my dad and his mates. And obviously, we're, get, we're getting older, but I know I'm not old yet because uh, I don't know if you've ever been in this situation. They use me as like the r- racism canary. <laughs> <laughs> They'll like say something. It's like, six- <laughs> like, is that, can I, is that all right? <laughs> and almost certainly it's like, probably not. They're like, oh, good to know. Good to know. Okay. Uh-huh. No, they don't like that one, do they? Oh. I mean, I wouldn't say they or them for, oh, well, good, good. Okay, good. Yeah. Huh. Huh. Yeah, no, I'm, I, I'm looking now. I wasn't talking, I wasn't hanging out with too many older people. Uh, so I didn't really, um, I didn't really encounter that now much, to be honest with you. You just, got uh, abused, you just got abused by a toddler. I just got abused by a toddler. Yeah, no, my Christmas, where I go home now, it's all, everyone's just, it's kids, kids, kids. It's just everyone's obsessed with it. That's the best thing about Christmas, though. I think the, the weirdest years of Christmas for me were the, were the years where we'd all grown up, but none of us had kids yet. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very weird, very weird. They're the weirdest Christmas years. We, point, kind of like, point yeah, because you're kind of like cosplaying your childhood, right? You're kind of, kind of like pantomiming your own childhood, but you haven't got any, there aren't any new kids yet. And now we've got like Toby's kids, Taya's kids. They're like running around everywhere. They love Christmas. I mean, your nephews and nieces must be the same. They love Christmas. Brings a whole new yeah. vibe. Yeah, those ones where you're adults, but you've no kids. Like they, they're weird. They're actually weird that you're all sitting in and like, it just, it's, uh, yeah, doesn't, they make no sense, like. Yeah, in retrospect, if I was gonna give my kids advice, like they're, they're the years you should, you know, if you if you wanna go to like Munich for Christmas or go to like see your brother in Sydney, no way, yeah. do, do it in those years before people yeah, yeah. see children and. They're the ones. That, you, yeah, because no after way. that, yeah. So that's so you the empire thing. I'm gonna I'm gonna look that empire thing. So that's what you're loving. So what it what, what's annoying you? Oh, I had this the other day. So uh, people FaceTiming in public without headphones. So that yeah. oh, I, I didn't experience this, but I had it the other day, and I was talking to somebody else, a real person in real life, and the person doing the FaceTime with no headphones got annoyed at me and my friend that we were interrupting their. Oh, my. What was that? On public transport or something? Uh, just see, like, uh, yeah, coming out of the station. Yeah, like picked up the thing and we're like, we were just chatting. And I just, I, I was like, what fucking planet have you grown up on? Like, what, what part of your education or just human interaction has been missing that you think you screaming at someone on a phone takes precedent over me and 
we're having a normal conversation at a normal decibel level. Couldn't believe it. I was like, I never, I never want anyone to trip up on stairs more than. Yeah, it's it's funny because you do see that a lot. Like it doesn't it doesn't bother me, but I I, I do see it a lot, and I I just I, I could never imagine doing it. I, I couldn't imagine it being comfortable. I don't see what the enjoyment that I walking along the street, talking into like looking at them, but I, I do see it more and more. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm with you. I'm like, what? I can't imagine that's a good conversation for anybody. Like you you're screaming, surely they can barely because like they, I, they, I, they have to do this all the time. Because you can't hear it. You can't hear them. And I just, I think it's like, it's the same thing that bothers me when people play their own music on a train or play, I added ones, like music, music, their own music in a gym. Depend on, to just have the phone with the speaker on. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, what do you, what do you think the rest of us are getting out of this interaction? I, I, with the music, I often wonder, are they half looking for a confrontation? They, they, sometimes, it feel, sometimes it feels like that. They're almost like, I fucking dare you to say something to me. Like, I agree. I've had a bad day and I'm ready to go. Like, Yeah. You know? Yeah, totally. Or, or is it that they just forgot their... Nah, I think, it's, I think it's a status thing. I think it's a status dominance thing. You know what I think it is? I think within their own family... They were so clearly the winner and the favorite of their parents that they think that they can just do whatever they want wherever they go. Interesting. So I was, I was wondering, is it that or is it the opposite? Is it like they haven't had enough attention? So they constantly No, like, I think I think that kind of stuff is like they've been they think they can they, they, they've never been told to be considered of other people. Yeah. They're they're the they're the kings of their family. They're the yeah. kings and queens their family just wild just a wild a wild behavior in a public place i was, I was also wondering because this is where you like you, you want to check your own self and like you don't want to sound like an old guy just yet but yeah. i was trying to think when did when did that phenomena start happening of people just deciding to blare out their own conversations in the middle of the street did that was that I think, COVID? I didn't no know. that's that, that's all that's always happened um uh, they, they, that's why I always listen to music, um, like. But that's all. People have always, on, always been, always been like that. Like, and I, I hate talking. I hate talking on, on public transport on the phone or something like that. Like, so if someone rings me, I usually say, "Look, I can't talk." But, it, but I ring people. Uh, I'll be honest with you. And sometimes they're in that situation. I, I can tell that they're in that situation. And I'd be like, "Oh, do, I'll ring you back. It's fine." And I went, like, "No, no, it's fine." And yeah, I, I, I don't want to say it to them. I don't think you should be doing that. <laughs> you'll be rude. I'm going to stop you. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you'll be doing, you should be doing it. And you, you know, like people come in because I work in, in pharmacy. Like people come into shops mm. on phones. I once worked with a woman who refused to serve someone if they're on the phone. She would just she, she wouldn't she wouldn't serve them. But people will come in, and they'll be on the phone, and they will carry on their conversation, and they will do the whole. You know, oh yeah, yeah. People do it all the time, like. Ooh, nah, I can't. Yeah. I can't do that one either. Again, it doesn't. It really doesn't. I. It doesn't bother me. Like I don't. I, I don't care. Like. So what's uh, been bothering? So what's, what's been what's been bothering you? What's your what's your thing for the week? I don't know what's been bothering me now. When you said about thing, the, the thing that always gets me with people in the public is more. Um, the, the, it's it, uh, what kills me is when people, like, 
they cut you, they walk in front of you and they slow down. That's always the thing that <laughs> me off. <laughs> That's the only kind of public thing that gets to me, like, do you know what I mean? And uh, someone, yeah. Or someone, someone, like, you know, they walk in front of you and then they stop. Or, or if you're walking, do you know what I mean? Like, I kind of feel like there's unwritten rights away, like, do you know what I mean? Like, someone walks... You know, they, they see you walking and they cut, like, they cut you off, like, they cut your line, like, you shouldn't be cutting people's line, you know, they let, yeah, you wouldn't do that in a car, would you? Exactly, you know, so that, that's the only kind of public sort of thing that, that, that gets to me, now, it only gets to me very, very briefly, like, sometimes I would, sometimes I would feel like pushing into the person and saying, you know, yeah, fuck doing, like. What do you think, because it either comes out of, so I sometimes think with things like that, if you're not used to, like, a city, in the in the country, no one cares really where you walk in the but in, in London or in New York, you do treat the sidewalk like it's a car lane, like you are like car lane, yeah. Like you're trying to get somewhere. I, I, I had a funny <laughs> I had a funny one once. I was coming, I was walking home, I was listening to music. It was probably like 12, 1 a.m. Like it was late, and I've had I've had a couple of drinks and I was rushing home. <clears throat> and I came across, I crossed the road, and just as I crossed the road and, and entered the footpath. A couple had come around the corner, so we both were now at the same pla- place mm. on the on the thing. Twelve one o'clock, nice, but they were walking in the same way. So so I sped up to like because I didn't want to walk beside them, so I sped up, and they sped up, <laughs> <laughs> and then I slowed down. So then the the, the creator guy and they fucking slowed down, and I turned got I just turned around and I went, "It'll go fast to go slow, like don't." Fuck <laughs> <laughs> but what was funny about it was we were both trying to do the same thing like to be fair to them like you know that's why they sped up that's why they, like we both like had done we'd married each other like they had they had had the same thought as me let's speed up so we're not walking beside them and let and i had done the same and then it slowed down and then i just <laughs> i said and then i sped and then i sped off like do you know what i mean I was I was hoping I was hoping you were they were like trying to bring you into a like a park based threesome or something. <laughs> I don't I don't like I I I don't make if anyone tries to pro I don't stop like on yeah. the streets. It's just, it's rarely like I I know it can be I know it can be it can be perceived rude um, and whatever like but it, it's it's um I'm very wary of. I think I, when I was a teenager, I got beaten up a good few times. So, you know, beaten up and mugged a lot. Like I was, uh, I grew up in a place where um, you very easily could get punched or, or mugged. So because of that, I have a sort of an, you know, yeah, you're always best to keep moving. You're always best to keep moving, even when I'm in places where you can be a little bit more relaxed. You know, totally. And you want to keep your head. I mean, uh, that, um, me and me, me and Dominic are going to start taking self-defense classes. Really? Yeah, yeah, no. yeah, yeah. Because I think I think we're both like, well, all like short guys. We're just like, just wanted to feel a bit more confident, I guess. Yeah, well, I've never had, I, never, I've never really had any issues since I was a teenager. Mm. But when I was a teenager, I had it a lot. Like, I had it. Yeah, it was, yeah. Like, it was constant, you know. But I've had nothing since then. Like. Yeah, I think I think Dom Dom won't start taking because he's because of his fiance. I think he just, he just wants to feel like he can handle 
handle himself more. And he was like, do you want, do, do, do you want to split the cost? And I was like, sure, sounds. What are you doing? What are you doing? Jiu-jitsu? I think something like that, yeah. <laughs> me, me, my brother, and some guy called Barry. Have you seen um, Paul Smith is going to do some case yes. fights? Yes. Ah, Jesus Christ, man. He, I wish him all the best, but like, I think he's going to get the shit kicked out. Has he ever done anything like that before? I'm sure he's done, I'm sure he's done some, but. I know a lot of comics, I feel that there's like, there's a certain, so like Elliot Steele's big into um, MMA, isn't it? There's like quite a few comics who are quite. Doing that kind of stuff, yeah. I, I don't know if, like, if he's been training sparring for years or whatever, but. Could be wrong though. Elliot Steele, like he looks to me like he'd be good at it. Mm. Paul Smith doesn't though. I, I, I don't think Paul Smith looks fucking strong at all. Like could be wrong now. <laughs> we'll see. See in a couple of months. <laughs> Hell of a thing because celebrity boxing is one thing. Boxing's so technical and you wear all the headgear and it's sort of like you design yeah. designed to not hit each other and hitting's kind of an occasional thing, but the brief, the few bits of MMA I've watched, it just seems like there's no escape from. Well, I, I have a friend. I have a friend. I think you met him, um, David Hogg. He's a big fella, like he's six mm. foot something, rugby guy from Bristol. And he was in Thailand and he did the Mai Tai. He did training and the whole lot. Now he is a big fella, mm. and he he did a he did a proper fight. This film and this Thai guy, who was a good half a foot, maybe a foot smaller than him, came out, kicked him in the face straight away, knocked him out. Yeah, <laughs> I just knocked him clean out. <laughs> can, and that's it. And you train for like six months, and then that's yeah. This is like boom, gone. Like you know see you later. Yeah, that's the thing. I'm, I'm gonna be very. I'll, I'll keep you updated. I'm very intrigued to know what this guy does in self defense because that's always my big thing with any martial art based. And, and not that I have any experience of it, so I'm I'm talking from a place of ignorance. But what do you do if? You know, I, I, what the, what's the instances of street confrontations where someone attacks you in a sort of head-on way where you can do yeah, something about it? Like, I, I, personally, I think you're looking at it from, like, maybe an e like, let's be rational about it. Why is, is if someone's going to attack, like, they're going to attack you because they want something obvious. So, like, my thing would be, I'll give it to you. Do you know what I mean? Like, honestly... <laughs> If you're desperate enough to, to to want to exert violence on me for the thing, you need it more than I do. Like, I'll never have much on me. Like, I don't wear a watch. I'd certainly, I'd never be someone who wears um, expensive stuff to kind of signify, even if I had money, like, I don't have money, but even if I did. So, like, I, I, the most I'm going to have is my phone, a little bit of cash fuck it you can have it like i'm not i i'd rather throw away 500 quid than, i think that's where dom's at because dom wears a very fancy watch and his missus now has a very fancy engagement ring and yeah, she wears see, i don't yeah i don't i i i i i'm just i'm not programmed to think like that like i don't i don't i've never thought of, of it like you know someone of a nice watch like to me it's just like I actually, in a bizarre sort of way, like think that I have friends with nice watch and everything, but but I actually think it it, it hinders your freedom because yeah. yeah if if you if you feel the need to wear an expensive watch everywhere, then there are streets you cannot walk down. There yeah, 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 totally, totally. 
you've got you've got a target on your back and i think many people would say a legitimate target on your back <laughs> you know what i mean yeah well that's the good thing about just when phones when these first came out there was more muggins for them because they were rarer and you could sell them but like now they're all blocked and everyone has one and yeah yeah it's harder it's harder yeah. to, to, to do it um have you got any bits you're working on any bit any any bits you're trying any bits and trying yeah quite a quite a lot actually the i i always find like um a break is very good for um it's very good for ideas uh a lot of bits i'm working on um one of the well i'm I'm off to mexico now soon but yeah i think it's going to be pretty uh fruitful um i don't know if you saw on the news like it was even on the bbc that the Mexican authorities arrested El Chapo's son, right, in Culiacan, and then the narco gang set fire to buses to block highways, uh, shot at an aeroplane, and the mayor of the town told everybody to stay in their houses. Like, it's in, it's a. Is that near where you go? Essentially, that's where I'm going. Yeah. Essentially, <laughs> that's where I'm going. If my mother doesn't see the news, <laughs> you know. So, so they've been talking about that. Uh, another thing I wanted about an idea I had recently that I want to work on is <clears throat> um, bizarre desires, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, like when you're in a relationship, your girlfriend will always ask you, like, what what do you desire? Like, what do you like? Mm-hmm. And just uh, talking about how how. I find that I find it very embarrassing to say what I like mm-hmm. because I'm very basic. Mm-hmm. I'm very like my tastes are very basic, like and just how um, I find it very embarrassing. But it, clearly, I couldn't be the only one who's like this. That I get very turned on by like lingerie and silky things. Do you know what I mean? Like, and and obviously, like they wouldn't. All these shops wouldn't exist if I was the only one who, who, who mm-hmm. felt like that. But but it is kind of embarrassing to admit it's a very unsophisticated, yeah. it's a very yeah. unsophisticated primitive thing to say that I like the feel of silky things, and whenever mm. I touch something silky, I get aroused. Like it's a fucking weird thing to say. And also, I get very aroused by the color yellow, which. Well, you're welcome. <laughs> well, no, that's custard. <laughs> <laughs> Big difference between yellow and custard. A bright yellow, the brighter, I don't yeah. know what, like yellow just, um, a, a woman dressed in bright yellow, it, it, it now it's a weird one because it doesn't get me aroused, like it doesn't get me, but it, it gets me like, you know, like kids watching telly, mm. just sort of, it's just like a magnet, it just kind of draws me in. Uh, pregnant women is another one that does that to me. Not so much aroused, but but you know, pregnant women get this glow. Have you ever seen the glow pregnant women get? Mm-hmm. Have you seen it? Do you know it? Yeah. And and do, do, like I would notice that. Like it, it would, if you know, if I was not really paying attention to my surroundings, and suddenly an, a pregnant woman with a glow walked into the periphery of my surroundings, something in me like uh, picks up on that. Yeah. I remember talking to someone about it once, right? And this is the bit I'm kind of working on. I was talking to two girls about it when I was in my early 20s. And one of them said to me, oh, well, you know that that's an evolutionary thing. That basically, that when women are pregnant, they release that glow and, and men respond to it because the men know that they have to protect the pregnant woman. 
mm-hmm. from. So you're, you're on high alert to be mm-hmm. a protector, right? And then the other girl, so we'd say that's the conservative girl, then the more liberal girl turned around and said, it is an evolutionary thing, but that, that's not it, you're wrong. It's basically, uh, you're attracted to that because in, in prehistoric times, a woman who was pregnant was um, a, a, a risk-free ride because she couldn't get yeah, pregnant yeah, again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. The, and and I don't I don't agree. I think the the first person is right, but I think the idea yes prior to condoms and contraception, like that people were going around going, oh you're pregnant, like let's just have fucking loads of sex for the next nine months. Let's have so much that we're bored of it and we don't have any for another five years. That this is risk free, responsibility free sex. Yeah. And I just think that's a very funny idea. But also, I think the, the girls really, that is, these two girls really are seeing the world from a female perspective and not a male perspective because um, the risk of sex in pre-civilization terms is that you would sleep with someone who a bigger man felt he had ownership of and he would kill you. <laughs> I, think that was, I think that was more the risk do you know mm. what I mean? and, and you don't see this as much anymore like i remember when i was a teenager when i was a child like you'd see a lot of fights in ireland outside chippers like a guy would fight it was always over a girl like it was yeah. always you know and men have kind of hit you know the, that damp down thing they felt like you know someone was hitting on a girl that they felt they had some kind of ownership over even if they were going out or not going out you know yeah yeah i agree i, I was thinking it's interesting in that bit that you were uh, you start off with saying you taste the very basic you're like, oh, I like lingerie, I like the color yellow, very specific color of yellow, and then pregnant ladies. So but again, <laughs> I'm not, listen, I'm telling you, pregnant women one, I think the yellow one is unusual. The lingerie yeah. and the pregnant women, I think is, there's a university, university. yeah. The lingerie yeah, definitely, I just, think, I just think it's funny that, because pregnant women, so like, there's there's no lingerie porn category because it's so it's so like of course you know like you said Victoria's Secret yeah it, it, it it's everywhere yellow sounds quite innocent and childlike pregnant women you you are stepping into like a a slightly fetishy territory I just, I just think it's funny that it kind of like it tastes very basic and so well I well you've probably given me a clue of how to make it funny like it is then to come up with something utterly like that's the rule of three isn't it yeah so like. Laundry, the color yellow, and then come up with something fucking mental, like someone, something like you know, uh, people who don't cut their toenails. Yeah, yeah, okay, not that, but something that's so yeah, that yeah, yeah. it becomes the surprise that it's so outlandish. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then I, I presume oh, I don't even go there with the bit, but getting him back and. If someone else in a relationship has got very specific tastes and you've got quite basic ones, that can be quite oh, an interesting conversation. It can end a relationship. <laughs> <laughs> but, it, but what's also funny is it's funny how embarrassing it is to say these what these things are like. It's embarrassing. Oh. It is, and it, should, it shouldn't be really. I wonder where that embarrassment comes because it can't all just be cultural and the Catholic Church. No, no, it can't. It, there's there's got to be more to it. I think it's embarrassing because it's primal. Right, yeah. It's like this, you're, you're getting in touch with this like, primal part of yourself that isn't fit for polite society. 
or isn't? Yeah, well, I think there's always a conflict between your polite person and your primal person. There's always, and I, I don't, I don't think it's. A, I think there's an internal. I think it is an internal conflict. Hmm. Yeah, because maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe it's not society so much. Maybe it's more just like I won't be accepted as readily. Ah, oh, well, I think it, it's. I, I don't. I, I think it's just. There's just a conflict. Like you know, you read a book, you have a chat. You feel like you're an intelligent kind of person, right? Then you go to the toilet, you misplace your hand, you wipe your ass and you end up with shit in your hand. Like, it's a fucking... You know what I mean? That's, it's, that's a big, it's a big fall, like... You know I mean? That's great. I think that's great. I, I think that's, that's worth exploring in the bit. The... Yeah, like, it's a big fall. Like I th- and, and so much of art, the history of art is that, is the conflict between your your primalness and your and your humanness and and okay like let's be honest about it. like some people get it very wrong like you know like obviously bill cosby you know he 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 had a human side you know he's hiring these psychologists he's doing all this but the, his primal side was completely out of control he had let the monster run free like mm-hmm. and 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 I, I could be wrong but i always think with people like that i think they would find it very difficult to sit and talk about the monster in the framework of the human. Because oh, there, is, there is a human there as well. Like, you know, like hiring psychologists to make the American families look positive, giving mm-hmm. money to it. Like, that's all positive human mm-hmm. stuff. That's all coming from a good place. But the, it's the duality of characters. And one of my fascinations with politics is I, I think... I think that duality is, is very strong in politicians because, mm. you know, there, there, so many politicians, like polit- politicians do genuinely do a lot of amazing stuff, like, and there is a lot of, you know, g- good stuff that they do like to come up with, but then they do horrific stuff as well. Like, Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think there's an interesting phrase, uh, okay, it's a Native American phrase, but like the white wolf and the black wolf. Like you can, oh, yeah. there's, two, there's two wolves at the door, and you have to choose which one to feed. Which and one to feed? Yeah, yeah. And the the sort of colonial interpretation of it was like, well, you only feed the white wolf because that's the good wolf. <laughs> and in Native American culture, they said you have to feed both because if, yeah. yeah. if you don't, the 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 dark wolf starves, and then he yeah. runs rampant through your subconscious. And that's the chimp paradox as well. That guy, the chimp paradox, he's from Leeds, actually, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he, he says, like, everyone has the primal chimp part. And he says the two mistakes people make is the, 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 is to pretend it doesn't exist. Mm. And if, if you pretend it doesn't exist, it can get out of control or, or they don't engage with it. And he says that part, you, 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 he says you have, to, you have to train it, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and you, you see that in kids. I mean, that's actually a really good segue into the bit I'm working on, which is, on. so you had toddler trouble at Christmas. We had we had toddler trouble at Christmas. So Toby's boy, Magnus, is five. And this is the first Christmas we've got like a lot of the nieces and cousins together. So the the child of our cousin, so that's Magnus, Magnus's second cousin. Yeah. It's the first time they met each other. She's five, Maggie's five. And they were just like smitten with each other. Right. Just like, and they both did like a dance recital. 
because they love Strictly Come Dancing and they're both like impressed, we're, we're impressed with each other's dance moves. And I, at one point, went into the kitchen just to make sure the kids were all right, popped my head in the door. And there was, you know, when you're walking on a house party and there's like a vibe, you, you, you've like interrupted someone who's about to cop off. They kind of had that energy. They were kissing. They were like holding little hands and... Uh, my 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 cousin had told them that they were related, and they were freaked out. They're like, "No, we're not. We're not related." We're not. And then they were they both was like, and are, "Are they related?" Well, they're second cousins, right? Is that it, right? Well, explain second. Cousins. So it's so it's so it's you tell me if I'm right. So it's my cousin's kid, yeah, and Toby's. So Sienna Your and Frank, first cousin's child. We're first, yeah, my first, yeah, first cousin's child. Okay. Yeah. That's so that that that's second cousins. Yeah. Legal so, though. Legal. legal and the base <laughs> the base of the most royal families. The basis of most monarchies. Wouldn't have a monarchy without this being in place. And uh they were just like staring at each other. And then Maggie just looked at me and went, Tom Tom, I don't think we're related. And then Sienna was like, Yes, I've never seen him before. I don't think we're related either. And then my youngest niece Penelope obsessed with Magnus she came in and saw them like holding hands and I was like no down no put down put down Jesus. I, thought, I thought like oh it's nice to know women support women everywhere and so I had to like scoop Penelope up try to take her out of the room Penelope starts screaming and Magnus has come over to me and went Tom Tom I'm gonna need somewhere more private than this <laughs> It's like the fucking, it's like the script the Game of Thrones in your house. Yeah, I know, and exactly. And I, I took, so my, my, my guy brain kicked in and I, I did, I took him into another room. So him and Sienna could have like some private buckaroo, like whatever game they were playing. And uh, then as we were all leaving, Penelope, um, Sienna went to leave and she's like, I can't leave yet. Magnus said he would show me to the door. And then Maggie like held her hand to the door. Where are they getting all this romance that's from? What, what, I was wondering. what the fuck have they been watching? Well, that's the thing. Like, is this Disney? Is this because they've seen Disney stuff? Is it like super innate? That's what I, that was the thing I was wondering. I was wondering who, who's, yeah, where have they got this from? Because they, they both understood their roles and they, they understood how it worked and like they understood how it all, you know. And I was thinking, nah. like, yeah. Like, has my cousin, my five-year-old cousin got more game than me? That was honestly the first thing that went through my mind. Second thing was, like, is it legal? Third thing was, where have they got it from? Fourth thing was, why was I so instinctively okay with, like, wingmanning my five-year-old? <laughs> <laughs> it's the admiration. You're just in awe of them. <laughs> I think that's You're it. Like, he's got superpowers that I always wanted. I think that's it. I, it'd be it'd be very interesting to say, but like you, the prediction will have to be he's going to be a smooth operator then. Yeah, yeah. Like I think these things happen uh, young. Like I think I think a lot of that. I always thought that with the girl kind of thing. Like um, I think it's very different than my my understanding is very different than the, the pickup artist thing. I, I think some people just have it and some people don't. Mm. Like and and I think the, the the people I knew who were good with girls, I think it was obvious before they were even trying to get girls that they would be the ones that would be good with them. Mm. Do you know what I mean? They had a mag, they had a magnetism. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? 
Yeah, I think I think that's Maggie. Like he's handsome, he's good at sports, he can dance, and and he knows that about himself. <laughs> you're, you're so jealous of him. So jealous of him, and he's so tall, Jack. He's so tall. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, I've started. I've started pissing in his cornflakes just to try and get back in. So that's that's your bit. Now we finish on. So what what are you looking forward to 2023? What's your you my goal? Loads, loads of stuff on, have you? Oh well, yeah. The big thing I'm I'm figuring out, trying to figure out, is how to transition more of like stand up into in being more of a uh, more of the job bit of it. It's like keep loving. Keep nothing goes without the the art side. Nothing works without getting the acts better, getting the jokes better. Nothing works without any of that. But there's a couple of bigger gigs I want to do. There's a bigger venue in Leeds I want to try and bring on. Um, and the European tour stuff is, that's a big focus. To try and get ready for Edinburgh, like you said, like doing Edinburgh this year, whatever I do there, seeing it as it'd be nice to build up momentum so that you weren't having to fly it all day, every day, all the time. And you, you, have you applied? Are you going to go to Edinburgh? I think, well, the thought was, um, me and Ram had talked about doing British Indian Buddies there. Yeah. So it's like a compilation show, less pressure. It's a good advertisement for the show you know, from more people around the world. Thanks. That makes sense. Something like that that was like less pressure, you know, and less yeah. like, because I don't feel like, I don't think by August this year, I'm going to be banging down the door with like, I have an hour the world needs to see. Um, yeah. So I'd rather use it for like 10 days as a fun shop window. Because I, I mean, I think what we did last year, I'm glad we did it. The, long, the more times passed since it happened, the, gla- the gladder I am we did it. Yeah, I think, I, I thought it was like, in hindsight, I thought it was a good first year. I thought there was ups and downs. Like, uh, but I think we learned a lot. And 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 I definitely got a good lot out of it in that yeah. my performance definitely improved and and the 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 networking worked great like because I did I did you know I got the crackdown gigs I did the gig with Brian did the gigs with Mark Farrell um, felt the networking worked well and I I was hoping by doing it that I would feel confident to go back and do a year um, I personally I think I think to be honest with you I think the most naive blunder we made was maybe just the time of the shows like mm. I, I, th- I think Edinburgh I think if you do Edinburgh and you do all your business say between 12 and 6 p.m I think you could have a great time yeah yeah and I think we definitely learned that didn't we like because when you're a smaller act or newer act just like 99 to 9.9% people there that window of 12 till five is when people wandered around going like, what shall we see? Should we see this? That's, should we yeah, see that? Yeah. Oh, that's, nine o'clock is like your prime time. Prime time. Yeah. I think, I think that I do. Honestly, I think the biggest mistake we made was probably time, the time, mm-hmm. like, and I, and I, and I think that was, you just couldn't know, you know? Yeah, totally. But I agree. The, the further away I've got from it, the more I feel like I got out of it. Yeah. Oh yeah. You did. You definitely, look at you. Definitely. You definitely gained from it. Um, and I, th- I think I think what you're doing is right. Like learning how to put on a show, sell a show, marketing a show 
is just as important as learning how to be funny. Like there's, there's, I think there's very few people who can really make it now who don't know how to do that, who just know how to be funny. And they're people who, who are just going to get plucked up by the thing like there. And, and in many ways, there's a lot of luck in that because, you know, I've done the competition, you've done the competitions. There's not always, I, I don't think there's always people that stand out that much. I think there's a lot of, I think there's a lot. Of, there's a few acts. Occasionally some people come along and they do, they do kind of, they do seem to stand out and they do seem to have something a little bit different. But often there's very little in these, yeah. you know. I think, I think one thing I, I would, one thing for you and me to think about, if you want to do it, is uh, I was having a chat to an, to an American mate uh, recently and he, he was doing like a bunch of uh, Irish shows in uh, between Boston and New York. Oh yeah, yeah. And he was just he was he was just like, every, if you you get the right time of the year, you do it around like a feast day or a holiday. You know, you do Easter, you do St Patrick's Day weekend. He's like, it's a gold mine. Really? Mm. That's something we need to we look into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that could be that could be very fun. Uh, right, I think we're, wrap, it we're wrap it up. That's been the first episode of Tom Jack having the crack for the new year. We'll uh, see you next week, and I'll see you soon, pal. Take it easy, buddy. Speak Cheers, to you soon. Tom and Jack having a crack. Tom and Jack having a crack. Tom and Jack.